Could you pray for us to open up? Father, Lord, thank you, Pastor, goes back, and Judy. Lord, uh, good Sunday school time. Help us to learn, listen with our, uh, not only our ears, but with our heart. And learn from you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Again, your, your memory verse was Proverbs 51. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Okay, if you'd open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. Your memory verse can save you a lot of problems in relationships. Okay? And simply because that is, it said, soft answer turneth away wrath, and uh, I, grievous words stir up anger. What normally happens with our language is if we get upset, our words become more sharp. We get louder or we become, we start reacting in our, our language instead of thinking with our language. Maybe you don't have that problem. Russ is very good at that. He tastes his words more than most men that I know. Okay, as far as he's going to have a response to that. That's why you've probably never seen him truly angry. I've seen him frustrated. I haven't never seen him. And that's just the truth of that. But what happens so many times and again, I want you to know why the memory verse is so important. It's something that, it's a verse I use in counseling all the time. Between spouses, between parents and children. And it's not just the something that goes on with the parents getting their kids upset. How many times have you as an adult have your kids, you say something to them, they don't like what you said, and so they react at you in a kind of a whiny, snappy response. Okay, and so they're not giving a soft answer. I don't know, how many of you ever heard your child say, you never trust me, or you don't trust me? And I tell them, you got it. And even if I trust you, I don't trust someone else. And I'm responsible for you. So a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirn up stir up and grievous words stir up anger i did it again and so so many times that soft answer can change things okay my son michael is the most like me of our children so i used to be the most frustrated with him growing up now it's like we have to be careful always bring aj in on a conversation about something so he gives us a different viewpoint because it was even a point we were watching a program, and in my mind last night I'm going, that's just like, and I didn't say it out loud, and he looked at me and he laughed, and he goes, Dad, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of, and I'm looking at him, same exact thought. And so our, Michael and I so many times are like an uh, echo chamber, so we bring my, AJ in to get a different viewpoint, and then we bring Heather in to correct us. Okay, so that's how that works, but so many times you don't realize that. But it used to frustrate me. So now, of the two grandchildren that I have here right now, the one who, because 
I was very, I'm, I told you before, I'm a highly intelligent person. I've been tested and I can support it. All right, and that's not bragging, that's just something. But concentration factor is a kid. When I wanted to do something, it was right there. Otherwise, it was flitting all over the place. So now I have a grandson who frustrates me more than the other. And the one who frustrates me is not Derek. Okay, so that means that's because he's like me and I see those the weaknesses and it drives you crazy. So I have to be very, very careful with what I say to him. And I want you to understand the lesson we're going to see is when a king wasn't careful in what he did and what he said. And so what will happen is yesterday we're working at Michael's house and Sammy had come over later. He was supposed to wait until his mom got home and then he brought, helped her carry things in and then his dad gave him a job. And he started to flit away from it. And I said, Sammy, what did your dad ask you to do? He wanted me to do this. And I said, why don't you start right in there? And he worked for about a half hour and then I went in and you think I gave him $100. I said, buddy, you're doing a great job. I can see what you've done. You've, you've accomplished a lot in here. That looks really good. And he looks at me and he goes, thank you, Papa. And then he's learned from his brother that when I say something to them, to stop the words because teenagers like to give you excuses on why they don't have to do what you tell them to do. He's learned I said something to him later and he goes, yes, sir. So I didn't have to argue and didn't have to do anything with it. It was just, yes, sir. So that soft answer avoids. So it's something young people need to learn. Okay? Because with Michael and AJ, I used to tell them, if you can't, John Wayne movie, I'd say, if you can't respect your elder, you better respect your better. Because I'm bigger than you. Okay? And now I'm more broken than them. So it's a case of, when we look at that, we're going to see... Today, as we look at Rehoboam, and he was Solomon's unwise son. And if you know your Bible and you've read the story, you have David, a man after God's own heart, who had, he had flesh issues, but he would get his heart right with God very easily. Then you have Solomon, who is considered in the Bible, he's called what? The wisest man in all the earth. And he could talk about any topic. If you talked about zoology, he could talk about that. I mean, he kept apes and peacocks and other animals. If you talked about finances, he could talk. Because what did he do when he wanted to learn how to rule and to reign over God's people because he knew they were God's people? He asked for what? Wisdom and how to reign over them. And you know what he was? He was very good at that. And he, Solomon brought the... the nation and the kingdom of Israel to its zenith, okay, to its highest place materially. But you know what happens many times when God blesses and things go well physically and materially? You start looking at the blessings and not at the blesser. And so as Solomon started so very, very well, and you know, what's the one thing that every parent wants? They want their children to be better than them. They want their children to have it easier than them. They don't want their children to have the same weaknesses or besetting sins or stubborn habits that they had. And, you know, so they, they, want them, they want it better for them. 
And that's a normal thing. Well, you know, David wanted that for Solomon. And Solomon wanted it for Rehoboam, who was going to rule in his stead. But Solomon started having, he started well, didn't he? And he did greatly for the kingdom and for God. But he lost sight where David didn't, because David remained a man after God's own heart. Solomon loved many women. Okay? And what did it do to him? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And the wisdom that he had to rule and to reign was great. But the understanding of his knowledge and his wisdom was lacking when it came to his personal life. You ever see somebody who was great and they could give great advice and they were an expert in a particular topic, but it seems like their personal life was a train wreck. Okay? Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Charity builds up. And so what we have is Rehoboam had observed his father in his later years because Rehoboam took over at about 41 years of age and he was given the kingdom. But he had watched his father in his deterioration. And what you see with all the kings of Israel, or I should say the kings of Judah, as you go through and you watch them, Israel had a bunch of bad kings. Judah, when you look at your Old Testament history, had some good kings and some bad kings, but the problem was even if they were a good king, like Hezekiah, they deteriorated when the blessing came in their life. He was given 15 more years, and the next thing you know, instead of pointing Nebuchadnezzar's people coming to him, to their God, he showed him his riches. So, the Bible says, don't put your trust in what? Uncertain riches. Because the Bible tells us riches have wings. Okay? The only wings I want are the ones when someone rings the bell for me. Every time, see, do you get that? Some of the younger people in here don't get that reference. Every time a bell rings, <laughs> John says, You answer the door. An angel gets his wings. So that takes us to 1 Kings 12. As you can tell, I haven't taught or preached in a while, so I'm rattling on. Okay. <clears throat> and Rehoboam went to Shechem, 1 Kings 12. For all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. And Jeroboam was, was not just anybody. He was a man of high stature. And he got on the wrong side of the king because he wanted something. He shouldn't have had it. And he fled from Solomon for his life that they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake to Rehoboam, saying, No, I have a different tune on mine. Yeah, because I have, I have a, a duck quack. All right. <clears throat> and they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, 
Thy father made our yoke grievous, now therefore make thy, thou, thy, the, thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put upon us lighter, that we, we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do ye, ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they, they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him, I can almost picture it in their minds, is like, oh yeah? You're going to challenge me? That mindset? And the young men, they spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thou shalt say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. Now, whereas my father did lead you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips. I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, and as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him, and spake to them their counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add your yoke. And my father also chastised you with whips but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite, unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So what you have is now the unwise counsel. Young people get in trouble in their lives all the time because they go to other young people and talk to them about it. And part of the reason is they don't believe they can approach their parents. If you love your children enough, even if they don't like your response, because you have to lead them. You don't have to be their friend. You have to be their parent. Friendship comes later. Okay? They can still learn that when they have a problem, that's where they should come to first. As you're teaching them to come to the Lord, you teach them to come to you. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with thee, and thou livest what? Long upon the earth. Well, Solomon backslid in his later years. Proverbs was written not at the end of his life. Ecclesiastes was. And he'd learned, it's too late to change the mistakes that he made. And he also, because of material blessings, sometimes, you know what happens? You can so well take care of your family materially and the physical things that they lose sight of the value. And their character's not developed because everything was given to them too easily and they didn't understand the value of it. Well, so that's what you have with Rehoboam. And he's, he was 41, he inherited the throne, he was given a golden opportunity to bring the nation back to the Lord because Solomon had allowed, allowed because of his many wives, of idols being set up in Israel, in Jerusalem, 
right around the temple. And their backslidden condition started because in marrying women from other tribes, or I mean other peoples, Solomon brought their pagan deities and allowed them to be worshipped. And because Solomon wasn't able to correct it, Jeroboam had a chance, because I want you to know right now, I led, my mother was saved, but she was under my father. Well, God planted a seed with us through my mother so she would not have been considered a good Catholic because she took us to the Bible and not to the priest. My father was French Roman Catholic, priest in my family background. I led my father to the Lord. And when I say this, outside of my mother, I was the first one saved in my family. I had a choice to make whether to follow in my father's footstep, who had fathered, followed in his father's footsteps, who had followed in his father's footsteps, or I could, one, understand my sinful condition and need of a Savior, and two, make a choice that for years cost me my dad. And that was... Whatever you do, you're going to do. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It changed the dynamics in my family. My wife gets saved, my kids get saved, and now my, my mom was saved. Four years after my father divorces my mother because of an adulterous relationship that he had, and she would not put up with it. I was able to lead him to the Lord. But he'd already remarried and couldn't go back, or he would have, in his own words. But my dad got saved. So my mom was saved. My dad got saved. I have one brother who's not saved. The rest has gotten saved. Why? Because when there was an opportunity to do it God's way, I made the choice to do what? Do it God's way. Did I do it perfectly? No, you guys already know me. No, I didn't do it perfectly. He was given an opportunity. The nation had become like the Laodicean church. Okay? What is that like? You know, you look at that in Revelation chapter 3, and it says, God says in verse 14, Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's where the kingdom of Israel was at that moment, where we are, the church time that we live in is the Laodicean church age. An age of compromise where material is put over spiritual. And I have to examine it in my life all the time to make sure, am I doing this because it's the right thing from God or is it because it's the easy way, it's something involved with the material side of it. And so many Christians think that God's blessing is material blessing in their life and many times that's a curse. 
And so they thought they had it. And what does God tell them to do? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment. That right rain, white raiment is the righteousness of the saints. That's living in a right way, okay? That thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou, eye salve that thou mightest see. To see things the way God would have you to see it. Because the wisdom of this world is foolishness unto God. Okay, so you have that. And so the kingdom was glorious on the outside, but it was declining spiritually. Be very careful in your Christian life when you get to the place where you say, I used to. I used to witness. I used to pray. I've gone door to door. Other people should have gone door to door. And you find somebody, they, they're saved. They say, well, I used to go to church. I used to read my Bible. I used to reach out in Christian love. Biblical Christianity, biblical Christianity is not a used to religion. Okay? Because the basis of it is I am. The great God that we worship, our Savior, He is the I am. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And we're to become more Christ-like. For brethren, you've been called under liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. And see, Rehoboam didn't know this. See, God's more concerned with the inside than the outside. When it came time to choose David as king, and Samuel saw the family and some of the sons, again, of David's dad, Okay, we're big and strong and they're in the military and they seem to be smart. And in verse 7 it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You can't lose sight of that. I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 8, verse, let me see here, because I was looking things up last night, verse 39. We're going to go back to the beginning of that paragraph, that's verse 37, and it says, If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting mildew locust, or if there be a cat, the caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. See, it's the plague of what? Because the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Left in our natural state, we're going to choose ourselves over everyone else. And we'll choose it to our own detriment, okay? And spread forth his hands towards this house, because he's talking about the temple. This is Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. Then, thou hear, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways, whose what? Heart thou knowest, for thou, even thou only, knowest what? 
the hearts of all the children of men. God knows our hearts, right? Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13, for the word of God is quick. That doesn't mean speedy. It means alive, like the quick of your finger. For the word of God is alive. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword dividing asunder soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of what? The thoughts and intents of the heart. God's more concerned with what's inside us than what the world sees in our physical or our material blessing. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. We're talking integrity issues. We're talking character issues. And he had a golden opportunity to make a difference. He was made king. Now look at uh, 1 Kings 11. Jump up to verse, or the end of the chapter, verse 41. And the rest of the acts of Solomon, all that he did, and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay, so he was set up. The people came to him and they proposed an ideal to make for a better kingdom. Solomon, at the end of his reign, had made it about himself. Everybody came to look at Solomon and his wisdom, and Solomon got lifted up in his pride. Okay? And our Bible teaches us, and you cannot get away from it. You want God's blessing in your life. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. So, they came with an idea, and Rehoboam had the opportunity to win back the love of the people, okay? And the lift, they were, you know what it was? They were being taxed at such a great rate that they felt the burden was too heavy. Sound familiar? We drove over, do you know, gas in Ohio? In Pennsylvania, it's cheaper. In Ohio, it's cheaper yet. In Indiana, it was cheaper yet. We paid two forty-four a gallon. You know why we don't in New York State? Not federal tax. It's to pay for all the illegal aliens that we become a sanctuary for continually. That's for the, them to use money to buy votes. That's what that tax is. Now, you don't have to agree with me on that. I'm just giving you a simplistic statement. If you don't like it, you can talk to me about it afterwards. I've been challenged not to say I don't care. Because I do care but I care more about pleasing God, okay? Sometimes my personality gets in the way. And what you see here, he had the opportunity, and that's the thing that made Solomon so rich was the tax rate. And so he was given good advice in 1 Kings 12, 6, and 7. And what did they tell him to do? If thou will be a servant unto this people this day and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. 
But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him and consulted with the young men and that were grown up with him and which stood before him. You think Rehoboam hung out a lot with the sheep herders and the carpenters and the common people? You think Rehoboam had ever developed a business? Ever had to manage vineyards? He's a son of a rich king. He was given good advice, but it would have taken some humility and he would have had to put his pride aside, right? Why do you say that? Keep your finger here in Mark chapter 10. Let me see here. So we look at verses. Mark chapter 10, verse 43. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Whose words were they? Jesus's. He taught us servant leadership. A king is supposed to have the same attitude. That would have been good advice. He got good advice from the older people. You know the reason if you have older people who have seemed to get through life well? And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But what's the saying? There's no fool like an... See, be very careful. Be very careful. There's a reason that young people should ask older people what? For counsel. In a multitude of counselors, there wanteth not wisdom. See, I can accept anybody, okay? And I can talk and be friendly to everybody, but I don't ask everybody counsel. He got good counsel, and he went to people who had never been through anything. You know what's crazy? We live in a day and age where they try to tell us that we need to listen to the children. Don't you know they're the next generation? Yeah, and they don't know anything yet. Their head's full of mush. If I offend you, I'm sorry. Their head's full of mush. How much smarter do your parents become than they become from when you were 16 and when you were 27? They seem to get a lot smarter in that period of time. Because at 16, they didn't know anything about life. They didn't know. It's, it's different for us than it was in your generation. And my Bible says there's what? Nothing new under the sun. Okay? So they got bad. They were given bad advice. Okay? The young men gave him bad counsel, told him to flex his muscles and show everybody he was the boss. It appealed to his pride. So he was told to be harsher than his dad was. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before a haughty spirit before the fall. Rehoboam chose to follow the bad counsel from the young and inexperienced. It's not that they're not possibly might have good ideas. They don't have the experience. You know what experience is? Messing up enough to learn to do it the right way. Isn't that what experience is? Okay. It's important to remember that our parents and our grandparents have more wisdom than we do. 
It's important to remember that our elders in the church area are a great resource of wisdom and advice. I had asked Pastor Kenny before we made the transition, when you can, I wanted a 100% vote, if you remember that, and some people voted that way because they said, I want a 100% vote for Pastor Kenny to take over the church. And I said, do you need me to go away? I can leave for six months if you want. Judy and I will take off. We'll leave for a year and come back. But we want to go to church here. I want to still serve. I want to still be able to work in the church. And I want to still be able to serve the Lord here. And he looked at me and he said, I would be an idiot if I threw away the years of ministry that you have and in dealing with people. And he says, I need you. His decisions. He told me that he valued counsel based off my experience. You need to learn that. It's, remember, you know, it's also important to remember that the pastors are given to the church to give good counsel. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edification of who? The saints. It's to help build you up. People lose sight of that. And so Rehoboam didn't follow the Lord. There were two major mistakes he made. In verse 12, our chapter 12, verse 1, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. Okay? And it came to pass when Rehoboam established the kingdom. It's not 12, 1. Um, yes, it's 12, 2. Came to, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to give you the passage and I'll look for it. And it came to pass, and Rehoboam had established the kingdom and strengthened himself. He forsook the law of the Lord and Israel with him. And all Israel with him. No. Uh, he forsook the law of the Lord. I'm supposed to write down the references. I look for it. They left him and where for hearken to do. Okay, I'll give you the reference after. I'll take time to look it up. Okay, but what it comes down to is it said, he forsook the law of the Lord when he established his kingdom. And he took all Israel with him. You know what it is? It's because, you know what the law is for? Is the law evil? No. The law is good. What the law does is show us that we are wicked. Right? Keep your hands there in 1 Kings. Look at Romans chapter 3. Verse 20. Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of what? Look at Romans chapter 7. Verse 
Verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. The law shows us our sin. So you know what we do? We live in a day and age where we change the laws. Isn't that something that was supposed to happen before the second coming? And we make evil good and good evil. You don't like the law? Just change it so it makes you feel better about yourself. Instead of basing it on God's the one that decides what is good and right and just and pure and perfect. And not me. Because when I make it about me, I'll change it to make me feel better about myself and my, my sin will then cost me greater than what I realize. The Bible is supposed to be in a certain place. Go to Jeremiah 31. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and will write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. So where is the law supposed to be? Where is the law supposed to be, people? In your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Then Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Ye are our epistle, our letter, written to in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in what? It's not in a book, but in the fleshly tables of? The heart. The heart. The law will be heard through preaching. That's why we shouldn't miss what? Forsake not the assembling yourselves one with another. And the more so as you see the day approaching. We knew we couldn't make it back Wednesday night to make church here. So we stopped in Toledo. We could have driven farther, but we stopped in Toledo so we could go to a good Bible-believing church. And went to services there in Toledo, Ohio. Forsake not the assembling. Second Chronicles 12, verse 14 said, He did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. You know what it comes down to? You have to choose this day whom you will serve. Right? You have to prepare your hearts. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to choose. You have to prepare your heart to seek the Lord. Anyone who has children and has tried to get them ready to bring them to church knows that the devil wants to take your heart away from being prepared to, serve, see, to seek the Lord. They wet their clothes. They make a mess in their pants. They go out the door and they fall in a mud puddle. 
they have a fight between brothers and sisters at the last minute and you get in the, you get in the correction mode and your heart's not thinking about the things of God. You have to push to make sure that you get them there. And the devil doesn't want your heart prepared to seek the Lord. You know what you should come to church for? Not for popularity of who's in the pulpit, but for you to seek who? The Lord in your life. Amen? Amen. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that what? Romans 3.11 Seeketh after God. If you don't seek Him, evil will come in. And the Bible says, He that seeks Him will find Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and a reward of them to diligently seek Him. Rehoboam didn't learn from his father. Solomon may have been the wisest man in the world, but his wisdom wasn't put into effect in his own personal life. I can remember, again, I've asked God to help me counsel people. You know, so I've read, a, I've read untold number of books. And there was this so-called woman expert. This was 25 years ago. She was a relation expert to help heal marriages. And she said some things that I go, yeah, well, that, that agrees with the Bible here because the Bible is the ultimate source, right? And you can find wisdom in the world if it agrees with the Bible because that's the ancient book. That's the elder wisdom. But when you try to bring something new in, and this woman, and she gave some, and I'm, and I'm reading this stuff, and I go, well, wait a minute, that doesn't measure up. That makes it about me. And if I make it about me, then my spouse will not always make me. If you're looking for happiness in your spouse and they're the ones who have to make you happy, you're going to have problems because it's about you. If you're looking to please the other one, you know what? It'll be a much more conducive, peaceful relationship. But by love, serve one another. And she said these things. And so then I, I did a history research on her background. She was supposed to be one of the leading experts on marriage in the United States of America at that time. There's only one problem. She'd been divorced four times. Finish this statement. Practice what you... Okay. It could have changed. You know, that teaches us that head knowledge and wisdom is useless if it's not applied. Do you know why invitations are given? It's to get you to think about and personally apply that which is being shown to you from the Word of God. You make a choice. You still with me? Uh, when you don't utilize the wisdom that's given for you to be able to apply to your own life, it'll affect those who follow you. Our sinful habits do what? Affect those who follow us. So he'd been better off seeing a father who was not so wise but had godly character. Not so wise in the things of the world but had godly character. And that's the case. Actions speak louder than... My father used to tell me, do as I say and not as I do. Because he didn't want me ever to smoke cigarettes. So he beat me and made me smoke a whole pack. He says, you ain't going to start what I can't get a victory over. All right? And no, it's, 
They're going to follow what you do. Sometimes what we do speaks so loud they can't hear what we say. So he had good advice and he failed it. But unfortunately Solomon's actions were watered down because of his life wasn't what it was supposed to be before his son. Proverbs 1.7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 3.7 Be not wise than in own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Proverbs 4.23 Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 7, verses 2 and 3 Keep my commandments and live, and the law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. We are affected by those around us, but the responsibility to make the decisions is still up to us. It's not a case, well, I had no choice. They made me do this. Things change when you choose to follow the Lord and what God says. And Rehoboam forsook good counsel and took the counsel of those who had no experience and were living a life of ease in the world. Always look to God's word for your counsel and for those who agree and help you with the application of God's word to your life. Because that's the place God can bless. Amen? And all God's people said, take a break.